0: Welcome to Equipus Christchurch. Equipus Church is a whole lot of friends championing one another to go higher in Christ. For more details, check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch. Tonight I want to talk to you. I want to give you seven questions you can ask yourself to help you make good decisions in life. Uh, I I think sometimes if we dare to ask ourselves uh, questions before someone else does, uh, we can generally filter through and find out what's the best way, what's the best way forward, what's the best choice to make in any given situation. The Bible says that what we really need more than anything else is wisdom. Yeah? How many of you know what wisdom is? <laughs> wisdom is basically the application of knowledge. It's, it's know, you know, knowing a lot of stuff. Um, isn't necessarily helpful, but knowing what to do with what you know, that's incredibly helpful. And so people who are wise are not just people who know and understand things, they actually know how to apply what they know. In fact, Jesus put it like this in Matthew 28. He said, when you make disciples, teach them to observe, or a better way to translate is to do everything I commanded you. So, So we're to be doers of the word and not just hearers only. And, and, and the problem is in life is sometimes you're left with decisions where it's pretty obvious, like if it's, if it's a bad decision or a good decision, the issue there is just having the courage to do the good, yeah? You know, when it's a bad decision, uh, it, 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 when it's black and white, it's okay. But what happens when it's white and white? Or it's black and black? You know, ever heard of the phrase caught between the devil and the deep blue sea? Or the rock in a hard place? Yeah? There's sometimes in life where you're torn between two decisions. Paul experienced that in his life. Um, He he wrote these words once in Philippians chapter 1. He was writing to the church at Philippi. And he he said this. uh, He said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. That's a bold statement, isn't it? If I'm going to live, I'm going to live for Christ. And if I'm going to die... I know there's a pay at the end of the day. It's 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 good for me. Um, if I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labour for me. Yet, what shall I choose? I do not know. I'm torn between the two. You ever experienced that in life? You're torn between two things. Paul experienced it. Jesus experienced it. You get torn between two things. And uh, do you remember that 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 series, friends? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, all the young adults do. So, so there's a series in the 90s, very popular. If you're 30, you live through it. If you're 20, you're watching the reruns. But there's a, there's a moment in there where Ross, he, he, he's, he's got a girlfriend, but he's got the possibility of hooking up with Rachel again. Remember that one? And he makes a list. Big mistake. All the pros and cons of each girl... Big, big, big mistake, guys. Never, ever do that. Comparison's not a good thing. And it doesn't go well for him. Doesn't go well for him. Sometimes, uh, that's not wise, by the way. Guys, telling a woman what's not right with her is not wise. It's better to get a gun and shoot yourself. It would be less painful. Uh, But Paul here, he says, I don't know what to choose. I'm torn between the two. I desire to be to depart and to be with Christ, which is better by far, but it's more necessary for you that I remain in the body. So here he is, he's saying, you know, if I was to die, I've got to be with Jesus. Game over. No more hassle. No more pastoral counseling. No more putting up with people's crap. You know, just just being with Jesus. I want to go home. And then he thinks about what his... Goal in life is which is maturing the church, making disciples, helping people in their faith. And he says, you know what, it's better if I stay. So there's a longing, there was a desire to go, but he knew at the end of the day it was better for them. It's interesting how unselfish his decision was. He said, if it's down to me, I want to go and be with Jesus. But it's better for you that I stay. I'm torn, I feel the conflict, but this is the choice I'm gonna make. I'm gonna I'm gonna stay. I'm gonna choose to stay. And I think sometimes in life, you know, we, we've, got to, we've got to position ourselves where we don't necessarily do what's the best for us, or the most convenient thing for us. How do you know the most convenient thing, thing for me to be right now is in London, the other side of the world? That's the most convenient, that's the easiest thing, you know? Uh, there was a schedule for me there, there was a plan for me there, but, but when I prayed and said, well, Lord, what? what would serve you, what would serve the kingdom, and what would serve your people best? And uh, I asked my wife, who's a good indicator. And uh, I said, Jackie, this thing doesn't fly unless you think God's in this. And she said, well, I do. I think it would be good. Shucks. No legitimate way out. My wife won't agree. That, that's, just, that's a great card to play, guys, isn't it? You ever played that card? Yeah, my wife said no. Yeah right. You know where liars go. <laughs> oh, too harsh. Sorry. Ah, <laughs> oh, you've got a lot of hecklers in this church. What's that all about? It's quite. Yeah, everyone wants their opinion, don't they? Yeah. We're going to go to church and give it. <laughs> you know, making choices between the good and the good is not easy. BMW i8 or Audi 8. Tough one, to, tough call, isn't it? Have you driven? I've got a guy in my church who owns both. How cool is that? You, you, you know, you've got to be pretty well healed to have both cars, one or the other. They're about 150,000 pounds each. And uh, one day, because I was admiring his car, you know, I like fast cars, I was admiring the Audi 8. <laughs> I did. He came, he said, I'm going away for the day, take care of my car. Boom. Keys. Oh. How do you know? That's like, that's like telling a pig he can roll around in mud all day. That's just, you know, just, just a happy... I was in my happy place. I was in my happy... I, dro- I drove around for an hour just finding all the roads with no speed cameras. Just mapping a route. Mapping a route. That baby. I'm telling you. You can go 120 miles an hour in that car and put your foot down and still feel the thrust. It's like the car speaks to you and says, baby, I've got more. <laughs> we're, not, we're not there yet. Keep going. We're not there yet. It's just, it's fantastic. But the BMW i8 oh yeah, is pretty good too. Yeah. How many of you know um, uh, Ferrari have now Created a Formula One car. They call it the F10. It's a Formula One racing car designed for the road. I've been in that one as well. I've got lots of wealthy friends. I'm just a poor pastor. Take care of me. Let me drive your fast car. Making a choice between things that you love and you love is difficult, isn't it? Things that you love and you love. Things that you love and you hate. That's easy. Things that you hate and you hate. That's a little hard too. But things that you love and you love. That's really, really hard. Jason Bourne, James Bond. You know, I don't know. No, okay. (laughs) Here's what I've discovered. When it comes to making choices, there's a number of questions you can ask yourself that really help. They've helped me over the years. They're questions I ask myself. And they've helped me make better choices. Here's the first question you can ask yourself. If I do this now, will I live to regret it? In other words, think of the end game. Uh, Do you know one of the reasons why marketing is so powerful and why shopping malls work so powerfully is because most of us will make decisions based on emotion, how we feel. And when we're attracted to something or we see something or desire is awakened in us, we will very often impulse buy. However you know, when you go shopping and you intend to just buy one thing, you can end up buying half a dozen things. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Impulse buying. Marketeers understand how that works. But before you go shopping, just to ask yourself that question. If I do this now, will I live to regret it? Now, now, some people are so cut off from the future and consequences, it's very hard for them to answer that. It's like, no, no, I won't, I won't regret it. You're going to go £5,000 in debt if you buy this stuff. Yeah, that's okay. I can live with that. And they need a bit of a reality check, those people. You know, the, the danger is that you will wake up one day and you'll say, oh, why did I do that? that? That, that was... That was really dumb. What's it like being married to him? <laughs> You've got to ask yourself the question, what are you going to gain or lose in the long term? You know, you, you can build your house on the sand or you can build it on a rock. You can build your house on the sand and it will it will be there. Building a house on the sand works till a storm comes. Do you get it? You, you, you can't tell which house has the best foundation just looking at it because foundations are hidden. And, and it, when you build your life, your life is like building a house. You've got to have the right kind of foundation right at the beginning and then you build on that foundation through the choices that you make. And so just ask yourself, hey, am I going to regret this? It's so interesting, you know, with six adult children now, some of the conversations we've had in the past, I said, you know what, I think you're going to regret this later. No, 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 I'm not going to regret it. Yeah, yeah, I think you are. Yeah, guess who was right? (laughs) The old man. Because sometimes it's difficult to anticipate what the future looks like. Sometimes it's hard to see. So that's the first question. Here's the second question worth asking for. What do I have faith for? What do I have faith for? I find that sometimes people get stuck in decision-making because there's some kind of fear operating in their life. And when I'm talking to them and I'm asking them, well, tell me about, you know, why you're making this decision... They'll say things, well, I, I'm, I'm just afraid if I do this, this will happen. I'm afraid if I do this, this will happen. And my question is usually, well, you've told me what you're afraid of. Now tell me what you have faith for. Because God will only bless faith. He won't bless fear. If you make a decision based on fear, that isn't going to release blessing. So you, in a way, you've got to push fear to one side. And you've got to ask yourself this question, what do I have faith for? What can I believe for? There's, there's always blessing on faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Let's flip it on its head. With faith, it's always possible to please him. So every decision that you make as a faith decision, that's going to receive blessing. Blessing. So just, w- when you're framing your decision, try and ask yourself, well, is fear operating in my heart and in my mind? If it's fear that you're dealing with, try and face the fear. And instead of letting the fear, I'm afraid of failing. I'm afraid of rejection. I'm afraid if I ask her out, she won't say yes. I love talking to Dig this morning, by the way. Is he here? Are you here, Dig? He's in the house? No, okay, he's not here, okay. But it was great talking to him, just... just Am I allowed to tell this story? Is his wife here, Monique? She's not here. Okay. I don't know if I can tell this story, actually, but I think everyone knows it. Ring and ask him, thank you. I'm going to take a chance, hoping that they love me enough to let me share this publicly. But he, he was telling me the first time he asked her out, she said no. And then he asked her a second time, she said no. And then he went, he said, Lord, he said, you told me this girl was going to be my wife. He said, yeah, I keep asking. <laughs> i just love that he didn't allow the rejection and the no to stop him from asking isn't that brilliant how many of you know he he, he struck gold he did well that boy because he kept asking in other words he made a decision based on faith not based on fear god will always honor your faith here's the third question worth asking you what does my heart say you know, I think it's important. Now, now sometimes our heart, I, I understand Jeremiah 17, the heart is deceitful above all things. I understand that sometimes the heart can play tricks with us. But, but the more you are seeking God and the more you're walking with him and the more you're making choices that put the kingdom first and, put, and, and out of faith, the more your heart is going to be receptive and in tune to what God is saying. And so it's, it's a question worth asking. What does your heart say? Is there peace in your heart? It says in Philippians chapter three that, that when you make your request be known, known to God with thanksgiving, the peace of God will rule your heart. So I want to ask myself, is is there peace in this decision? What is my heart telling me? Or is there something in there that's telling me, don't do this, don't do this, this isn't going to end well. You know, you can have on the outside all the right reasons for making a decision and your heart is telling you no. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like You've rationalized it in your head why you should do this and your heart is saying, no, don't do that. I have a friend of mine, he's a very successful businessman. And he's very intuitive in his business. And sometimes markets are doing certain things, and he'll do the exact opposite. I said, Why are you doing that? He said, I just feel like the Holy Spirit speaking to my heart, and I need to do this. Just before the crash, he had a load of assets. He sold them when the market was really high. The crash came, he didn't lose any money. He listened to what his heart was telling him. And everyone was saying, No, invest, invest, invest. He said, No, I'm going to sell. I'm going to sell. Everyone was on a roll. He, he listened to his heart. Because he listened to his heart, it's what you might call gut instinct. It, it's what you might call it being intuitive. And don't make decisions that don't resonate with who you are deep inside. You know, you can't make a decision based on someone else's faith. Just because they, are, do you know, I've made that mistake before. I remember one time we were trying to buy a building and, you know, everyone around me was saying, we should do this, we should do this. And I thought, okay, let's go along, corporate faith. You know, but on the inside, I was just, oh, I don't know, you know. I think we should wait. I think we should wait. I felt like that was God was telling me. But I I went under the pressure of everyone else, and we bought this building, and it was a nightmare. It was just a nightmare. We couldn't make payments, and then we got into debt, and then people were saying they wanted to sue me. And all kinds of things were happening. And I just wish I'd listened to the still, small voice. And it's interesting, all the people around me who had faith disappeared when the problem started. That was wonderful. It's like, oh, I thought you said we should do this. Yeah, I did. Bye. (laughs) you've, You've got to own the decisions you make. So just check what's your intuition telling you. Here's a fourth one. What do those I trust and looked up to think about this? What do they say? Do you know every single person should have somebody in their life that they trust enough to ask their opinion about a decision they're going to make. (coughs) I've got a number of people in my world that are like that. I remember that when I was working alongside Bruce in London, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me one morning. I I was literally, I was getting up out of bed. By the way, the Holy Spirit often speaks in the morning, because do you understand from a physiological, psychological point of view that your left brain, right brain? Are you aware of that? Left brain is where accountants live. Right brain is where creative people live. Yeah, watch, watch, watch what happens when they get married. <laughs> That's really fun. And uh, left brain people are all about logic, about working it out, about uh, sifting information, analyzing, all of that. Right brain people are very creative. They're highly intuitive. And, uh, and when you hear, you hear from the right side of the brain, when you hear the Holy Spirit, it, it, he never speaks left brain. It's always right brain. Uh, atheists live on the left hand side of their brain most atheists they're, they're, they're mainly logical people they they find it very difficult to tune in intuitively but when you wake up in the morning your right brain wakes up before your left brain does did you know that that's a neurological fact that's why it's easier to hear God when you wake up than at any other time or when you go to sleep when you go to sleep. Left brain goes to sleep first, and so that's that's why you can dream, that's why God can speak to you, all those kinds of things. By the way, when you speak in tongues, you cannot speak in tongues and function left brain. It's impossible. Speaking in tongues is a right brain activity. It doesn't require logic. So if you want to turn off unbelief, you have to learn to speak in tongues. You have to practice speaking in tongues. And it it just releases the creative, the intuitive, so you can hear what God is saying. Isn't that awesome? And neuroscience is proving this. That's the amazing thing about all of this stuff. It's like God designed it that way. And now, 2,000 years later, science is, is affirming it. It's just amazing. So I I woke up very early one morning and I immediately heard this expression in my head, Bill is going to ask you to lead his church and I want you to say yes. I didn't even know who Bill was. (laughs) I just had this phrase in my head. And then I remembered I met a guy called Bill at one time at a pastor's conference, a guy called Bill. That was it. I remember going to Bruce and saying to him, Bruce, I've had this thought come into my head that I want to surrender and submit to you, I'd like to know what your opinion is. And I remember telling Bruce at the time, and I said, Look, this could either be the Holy Spirit or last night's curry. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? And he goes, That's really interesting. Let's wait and see. Let's just wait. He said, That's really interesting. Let's wait and see. Now, the problem with Pentecostals and Charismatics. Pentecostal is charismatic. Now, I'm speaking as a Pentecostal and as a charismatic, okay? Probably the most reluctant one you'll ever meet, but nevertheless, (laughs) I'm in that camp. I'm definitely in that camp. Here's the problem with this. Sometimes our language destroys the possibility of asking and having a conversation with someone else about a decision, because our language is usually loaded with God talk, like God told me. God showed me. God spoke to me. Now, I don't mind that language at all. I really don't. I, th- I think God does do all of those things. I think he shows us things. I think he speaks to us. I believe that that is absolutely true. But when you want to be open for input from other people, it's not helpful to start there. So... so Most of the time when I say God told me, I'm usually saying something about something in the past that has been proved to be true in my life. And I can look back at it and say, yeah, God told me. At the time, if you'd asked me, I would say something like this. I have a conviction. I believe. I sense. You see, if I come to you and I say, look, I sense God is saying this. What do you think? We can have a conversation. But if I come to you and I say, God told me, do you feel like having an argument with God? (laughs) It's like, well, if God told you, who am I? Wow, God spoke to Moses face to face. He's speaking to you. I don't want to get in between. (laughs) Do you understand what I'm saying? And I think we've got to learn a new language in our conversations and, and have less of the loaded language and more of the open language. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2.16, he says, we have the mind of Christ together. He never writes, I have it. He says, we have it. In, In other words, God speaks to us, not just personally, individually, but he speaks to us corporately. He speaks to us in koinonia, in community, in fellowship. And so my, my challenge to us tonight is, hey, come on, if you feel like God is speaking to you, you've got a difficult decision to make, who in your world that you look up to, you value, you respect their opinion, who are you talking to? And what do they think? What do they think? Now, I remember I, I've had different people come to me and, you know, they'll sometimes use that language God told me, God showed me, and I said, look, would you like a conversation or do you just want me to acknowledge God spoke to you? What do you mean? And I said, well, I actually have a different view, but if you're telling me God spoke to you and you're using that kind of language and playing those kinds of cards, I don't really feel like we can have a dialogue here. Ah, oh, well, well, I believe he said this. Okay, okay. Well, let me, let me just outline it for you. There's a spectrum here. So when God spoke to you, the spectrum is this. Jesus turned up in the room and you had a conversation. Are we there? No, that didn't happen. Okay, you had an angelic visitation. An angel <laughs> appeared to you, and like Gabriel did to Mary, and, uh, and, and in that situation. And the Gabriel said, in the name of the Lord, and told you, did that happen? No, 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 no. That, okay, let's go one further. You went to bed at night, you had a dream or a vision, and the Lord appeared to you in a dream and spoke to you. Uh, no, no, no. That was, okay, let's go further down this end of the spectrum. Uh, okay, you had a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom or a thought came into your head. Uh, Yeah, it's a bit more like that. Now, all of those things are revelations. They are just different degrees of revelation. It was so funny, you know, I I was talking to a prophet one day and I was just asking him, you know, I said... You know, I said, I get prophetic words, and I said, you know, I look at people and I see pictures, I see things. Sometimes words come into my head, sometimes phrases. And he goes, oh, yeah, 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 you're on that end of the spectrum. I said, well, what end are you on? <laughs> and some of these guys, is like, well, I got caught up to the third heaven. I said, what? <laughs> yep, like Paul, I can't tell you about it. Okay, how many of you know that separates out the boy prophets from the men prophets? When you meet somebody who's had that experience, I I have a friend of mine, um, and he's heard the the audible voice of the Lord three times. He said, every time he heard it, it scared him to death. In fact, he's asked the Lord, please don't do that again. (laughs) Just find some other way to communicate, Lord, because that's just too scary. (laughs) I have a friend of mine who went to uh, pick up another friend at a hotel. And when he, went, when he knocked on the door, he got thrown to the wall the other side. And he was pinned against the wall for like five minutes. His friend finally came out of the room. He said, are you okay? He said, yeah, I've been stuck against the wall here for five minutes. I just came to collect you. What's going on? He said, oh yeah, the angel of the Lord was in the room and he'd have had to kill you if you'd have come in. <laughs> so two other angels pinned you against the wall. Now, when you hear those kinds of stories, you think, okay... <laughs> makes you a little bit more humble to say yeah I think I might have heard from God but I'm not too sure because I'm on this end of the spectrum do you understand what I'm saying now I love the prophetic and I love prophetic people they're a little bit scary (laughs) do you know what I mean have you been around prophetic people a little bit scary you know but we need them who do you look up to Whose opinion do you value? And let let him speak into your life. Come on. Do you know, you can have a word from God about the future and get it completely wrong in terms of the timing because prophecy is always made up of three things. Revelation, interpretation, application. Did you hear that? Revelation is what do I see? Interpretation is what does it mean application is what should I do you can have a revelation Jeremiah chapter 1 God says to Jeremiah what do you see he says an almond tree and it's blossoming God says perfect you got it right you got the revelation 100% what does it mean Jeremiah says heck if I know He has no interpretation. He has a revelation. He just doesn't know what it means. And you see, even prophets can screw up on interpretation. And you can too. You can get a revelation that's 100% from God and yet get the interpretation slightly wrong and get the application completely wrong. Do you know when I was 31 years of age, I was in a conference with 2,000 leaders and a prophet was there. His name was John Paul Jackson. He pulled me out. He said, "Stand up." He said, "He's got a word word from the Lord for you, brother." And uh, he started to prophesy over me, and it was just really weird. Like, here was the revelation. He said, "Well, he said I saw you in a building with no windows. It was a small building. You were sitting on a chair in front of a fireplace, and uh, and you were feeling a little bit sorry for yourself." And he said, "And the Lord put a stick of dynamite down the chimney." And it exploded. I'm in, a, I'm in a room with 2,000 leaders, and I thought, oh, my God. I've committed the unforgivable sin, and I'm going to die. God is going to kill me. And he's probably going to do it publicly in front of all these other leaders, you know. I'm just, I'm standing there, and, you know, and I'm not feeling great at all. And as soon as he said he, he's going to drop the dynamite down and the whole building explodes, everyone in the room started laughing. He got 2,000 leaders laughing their head off at this revelation. And I'm standing there thinking, I'm going to die. I'm about to die. God is going to strike me dead. I'm absolutely petrified. And, uh, and then he said... And the interpretation is this. And as soon as he said that, there was another wave of laughter. It was like, oh God, what kind of meaning are you going to get out of that weird picture? And And then the interpretation was this. Right now, in your life and in your ministry, there are all kinds of limitations and God has boxed you in. And he's about to explode those limitations and you'll have an international ministry, and you're going to travel from country to country and go to different places. And I thought, oh, that's a little better. <laughs> so at least I'm not going to die. I was about 32 years of age when I got that prophecy. Do, do you know, everything I did to make that fulfill didn't work. It, it, was, like, it was like having your door doors slammed in your face. Nothing worked. It took 20 years before those doors really started to open. Revelation, interpretation, application. Do you get it? Who are you allowing to speak into your life? Come on. We all need somebody a little bit further ahead, a little further down the road, a little bit more mature. Allow them to temper what you what you think you should do because. We're always people of action, but our actions come out of our interpretations, and our interpretations come out of our revelation, and you have to understand how that process works. Do you get that? Okay. Here's number five. What does Scripture say? You know, whenever I'm going to make a decision, I, I always want to know, does Scripture already have something to say on this? Does Scripture have something to say on this? People say to me, I get this all the time from young adults, um... There's a guy who's asked me out, but he's not a believer. What do you think about that? And I said, Well, you don't. You don't really want to know what I think, don't you want to know what God thinks? What the Bible says about that? Well, the Bible talks about that. Yeah, it does. In a couple of places, it talks about that. And so, you know, yeah, but I just feel like the Lord is leading me. Yeah, because he's good looking. That isn't the Lord leading you. That is another part of you leading you. <laughs> How do you know biology works? Yeah, it, it works. The attraction gift works. God put us, put it in us. And, and so, come back to what does Scripture say, and then can I, can I have faith in what God has already said? Now, I understand that there are some things where where God hasn't spoken and we need to to derive principles from Scripture. I get that. Some things are not always definitive. I understand that. But nevertheless, keep going back to either the commands of Scripture or the principles of Scripture and asking ourselves, come on, what's God already said about this? And, And does what I'm wanting to do line up with God's word or does it contradict God's word? Because if I go against God's word, what will happen is I just create a problem for the future. That's all I'm doing. No matter how good I feel about it right now, I'm creating a problem for the future. Now, just to let you know how real this is for me, I remember when my daughter was uh, 15 and uh, she said she wanted to date a boy. And I said, absolutely not. You're 15. Uh, You're too good looking. And you're doing your studies, your GCSEs. I don't want you complicating that with dating. You're not going to date. And so about a week later, she came home with a boy. A week later. Do you understand the phrase, throwing down the gauntlet? Do you understand that phrase? And so she walked in the house with this young man called Tom, and she said, Hi, Dad, this is Tom. He's my boyfriend. (laughs) And the unspoken challenge was, what are you going to do about that now? And I thought to myself, OK, you want to play that game? You want to play that game, baby? So I said, Tom, come here. This, I've never seen a 15-year-old kid more petrified in all my life, <laughs> which is exactly how I wanted it. I said, Tom, do you see those, that staircase there? He goes, yeah. I said, that staircase goes up to all the bedrooms in this house. I said, that's the kitchen. That's the lounge. That's the downstairs toilet. There will never, ever be a reason why you have to climb those stairs. And if I ever find you upstairs, I said, you're going to be in big trouble with me. Are we communicating? <laughs> this kid was so petrified. My 15-year-old daughter's walking up there. I'm so embarrassed, Dad. What do you have to do? That? I said, well, you challenged me. I said, Tom, just one more thing. Do you you like movies? He said, yeah, I love movies. I said, so do I. Do you want to know my favorite movie? Taken. (laughs) (laughs) She never did that again. You know when kids are growing up and they're learning about life they're always going to challenge boundaries they're always going to challenge what you say I get that I get that that's and that's okay you know that's okay just as long as if you're going to play that game you're going to you're going to be happy with the consequences of the rules of that game do you know what I'm saying here's the sixth one who am I really doing this for That's a great question to ask. Who am I doing this for? I tell you, when I was making stupid decisions as a a young teenager and as an early adult, it's because I wanted to impress my friends. I was doing it for them. I wasn't doing it for God. I wasn't doing it for me. And it was just insane, some of the situations I got myself into. I was with a friend of mine, and... um, he was just one of these really crazy guys, just really crazy. I think I was 18 at the time. He was 21. Everyone looked up to him. And uh, whenever I was with him, I got in trouble. And we were driving one day along the road, and um, we were all, we'd all been partying a little bit and doing stuff we hadn't, really shouldn't have been doing. And he said, wouldn't it be fun to drive on the pavement? This is insane, isn't it? So he, he went onto the pavement. We were in this little car and we're driving along the pavement. Now, for those of you who are wondering how, how, how I could be so insane to be with somebody like that, it was about 10 30 at night and there weren't many people around, okay? So it wasn't like a shopping mall or anything like that. This was, this was a road between two towns. There weren't many people around and we were driving on the pavement. But nevertheless, it wasn't the highway. It was the pavement. And then when we got to the town we were going to, there was a roundabout. He thought it would be fun to drive around the roundabout the wrong way. Three times. After that night, I decided, this is not a friendship that is helping me in life. This is a friendship that is going to kill me if I keep pursuing this friendship. Do you understand what I'm saying? Who am I doing this for? And I realized there needed to come a point where I drew a line and said, you know what, I'm going to cut out this friendship. And that's exactly what I did. Sometimes the best thing you can do is cut out some people who are not helping you find God, not helping you pursue God, not helping you in your destiny and your calling. Just cut them out of your life. You say, yeah, but they were, well, he was one of my friends, but he just wasn't helping me. Do you know what, I met him about 25 years later and he didn't look good. You know, you could tell he'd been through some situations in life. I invited him to church 25 years later when we were in Equippers in London and he got saved. It was amazing. God really touched his life. But some people will just pull you back and hold you back. Come on, who are you doing it for? Let's, let's make our choices for God. Here's the last one. Can I cope with the consequences of the choice I'm about to make? Every choice has a domino effect. When you make one decision, it paves a way for other situations to occur. And you'll have to deal with those. So making a tough decision is sometimes better than making an easy decision. Whatever path you choose, it will affect your finances. It will affect your relationships. It will affect how you develop as a person. Can you cope with the consequences? Think about that first. The reason people get into so much mess is they don't think about how is this going to play out. If you just think ahead, how will this play out? What will this look like? And you can imagine the future of those consequences. And the Holy Spirit is there to help us. This is what wisdom is all about. Wisdom is being able to anticipate. And because you anticipate, you make a decision in the light what you believe is coming ahead friends if we can just ask one another those seven questions when we've got tough decisions to make especially when they're 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 all good decisions should I go to this university or this university should I pursue this career or this career should I work for this company or this company go through that set of questions And trust that the Holy Spirit is going to lead you, is going to guide you, and you will make a decision from a place of faith, from a place of heart resonance and peace, where other people say, you know, yeah, I think that's a really good decision in life. But if your friends are saying to you, you know, dude, I just think that's going to lead to trouble. If your friends are saying to you, don't you know that's against Scripture? If your friends are saying to you, don't you know you made that decision a decision like that last year and it didn't end well why do you want to repeat history if you've got that kind of thing happening in your life take a step back and say okay i'm going to take a deep breath and i'm going to rethink this choice and i'm going to try and make a choice that honors god so that i can fulfill the destiny and the call of my life amen thanks for listening to this podcast check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash christchurch